You are listening to episode 17 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the five takeaways that I have from going to a speaker event called the Mega Speaker with the world's number one wealth coach, JT Fox. Now, this was definitely a speaking event that was designed for business owners, people who would like to be a public speaker or like to invest in learning how to be a public speaker in order to then advance their business. So this being said, the takeaways that I'm going to share with you today are not only going to help people become a better public speaker in order to help their business, but are going to help them with communication overall. And I've really noticed lately that with my business, every time that I'm either reading something new or listening or learning from someone, I'm making these connections all of the time to the horse and human world of really establishing a strong mindset that allows us to communicate from a place of clarity and look to build a life of joy and fulfillment. So that really has been something that I have noticed more and more really since I started writing my book is that when I'm learning something new, it's just a continual connection that I'm making between how does the mindset of a leader connect to the mindset of an equestrian? How does the mindset of an entrepreneur connect to the mindset of an equestrian? How does the mindset of a mother connect to the mindset of a horse owner. So it's really about making sure that I can connect those dots, not only for you, the listeners, for my clients, but also for myself. I'm going to start with the first takeaway from this speaking event. And this is actually something that I have spoken about quite often and it was really interesting to hear someone who has made such a large impact on the business world talk about this sort of thing. Takeaway number one is you always get what you focus on. Now you can interpret this in a couple different ways. So I'm going to start with the first one which is it was spoken about and It wasn't necessarily 
only to do with this specific takeaway, but it definitely was kind of fed throughout the talk for the day. At one point he did say that, you know, thoughts become things. So it's very evident that this certain individual believed in what we call the law of attraction. Now, during the conversation, one of the other speakers did mention that he would almost prefer to be called the law of action, which I kind of agree with because oftentimes when people learn about the law of attraction, then they feel like, oh, well, I've put a positive energy into my thoughts and my desires. So now I can just sit back and let things happen, let the magic happen and things will come to me. And that's really not the case. You know, when you align your energy with the things that you want, it's still hard work on the other side of things. There's still work that needs to be done in order for you to continually align with the things that you're looking to bring into your life. So one of the ways that JT Fox explained that he likes to be able to create or take action in his life is also something that I share in my book, The Conscious Communicator, and it's the very thing that I speak about that was the catalyst to allow me to have the hard conversation about resigning from my teaching job. So this particular thing I actually learned from Mel Robbins in her book, The Five Second Rule. JT really talked about this. He didn't mention Mel, but I know that at some point when you're really invested in a knowledge, then sometimes you you kind of claim that knowledge as if it's your own. You don't really need to put a name on it because you've established it in your own life and maybe he didn't learn it from Mel Robbins. Maybe he also just learned that this is a very, very useful and practical technique trying to get yourself to take practical, rational, and brave action all at the same time. So I'll explain it a little bit in case you haven't heard of it. The five second rule is simply that If you need to do something, you simply count from 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and then blast off, literally get up, do the thing. So in Mel Robbins' book, The Five Second Rule, she discusses the very first time she used this approach, and when she did, it was simply to get her up out of bed and not have to just continually press the snooze button. So it was the thing that she needed to motivate her to get up in the morning and just face the day and do the things she needed to do in order to create a happier life for herself. So at that time, she was in a pretty dark place and it was the thing that brought her out of the darkness essentially because she was able to push herself to create action in her life. Now, it's really important that you know, and science does back this up, and it is in Mel's book as well, is that you do want to make sure that you're counting down five, four, three, two, one. You're not counting up one, two, three, four, five, because when you count up, you have the ability to create more rationale around just continuing to count, and it doesn't have that same feeling of urgency that you just say, yep, need to do it. So there's no end point when you're counting up. So you very quickly can say to yourself, five, four, three, two, one, go do the thing. So the other way that you can interpret this is that you always get what you focus on. And in 
the book, oh, I have to remember what the name of it was. I'm not sure if I can remember. If I remember the name of the book that I read this in, I will, I'll share it in the, in the show notes. But the book that I was reading this summer was talking about the fact that you're always going to find or see what you are seeking. So what you're thinking about, what you are focusing on is the thing that you're going to see. So I kind of think about the very first time that I bought a car and my very first car of my own was a old style Jetta. So it was this little diesel Jetta. It was, you know, super practical for me. But I just remember before buying this Jetta, I didn't really see a whole lot of Jettas around. And then all of a sudden, I buy this Jetta. And it's funny because at the time, my older sister, Lisa, had the same body style Jetta, just a different color. Hers was red. Mine was green. And my mother had a black one. So we had all their varying years, but all the same body style of a Jetta. So we were really hyper-focused on this specific style of a car. And then all of a sudden I'm driving down the highway and that's all I see. Everybody drives a Jetta. And I had just not seen that amount of Jettas on the road because it wasn't where my focus was. So when I think of this, I think it's really important to keep this in mind when you're working with your horses or your children or your husband, whatever it might be, but really to hone in on the fact and focus on the fact if you are focusing on the negative, that is what you're going to be seeing. If you feel like your horse doesn't try for you and that or your husband doesn't try for you and that is what you're looking for, that is what you're going to find. So it's a really great opportunity right now for you to shift that perspective and change your mindset around what you're looking for and what you're seeking. Because if you're looking for the try, if you're looking for the things that you desire versus the things you don't want, then it changes your focus and you actually start to see that more in your life. And the people around you get a more positive response from you because rather than you just being on top of them for the things they're not doing, you're actually able to acknowledge the things they are doing. And that is essential for our horses. Oftentimes our horses get a little defeated or they get discouraged because they feel like they can't do any right. So, you know, if they respond to you in this way because you're putting this amount of pressure on, but then you don't give them the release they're looking for, or maybe you do the give the release, but you just continue to nag and nag, then they just go and shut down. So it's very important that when you change that perspective and you start to look for the positive, the positive changes, the positive attitude, and then the other stuff tends to kind of just take care of itself. Takeaway number two is definitely directed or he directed it mostly at business owners. However, I think it's really important with anything that you're committing to or trying to establish in your life, whether that be a connection with your horse, your husband or self, or maybe it is that you're starting up or creating a business of some sort. So this takeaway is talking about the five keys to becoming more successful. So the first one that he talks about is persistence. Now, this is one that I am starting to understand more and make more sense of its importance in my own life, especially establishing my business right now in the sense that if you're not persistent, people will not understand that you're really serious about what you're doing. 
And it's through persistence that really great opportunities can arise. So when you're persistent, people see that you are invested and see that you are not just going to be like, oh, easily swept under the rug, especially when it comes to your dreams. So if there's something that you're looking to do, maybe it's that you want to go and get a job at a training facility, let's say. And, you know, you send in your application once and that's it. You don't get the job. I encourage you to remain persistent. If it's something that you want to do, do not get discouraged with a simple no. Because oftentimes people get, especially people who are influencers or people who are in the media or are well-known, they get a lot of requests. And by just submitting something once or just reaching out to them once, you're not going to stand out. Now, of course, there is a fine line between like, you know, being persistent and being a stalker. But I think you can do this with strong and good, kind intentions in order to be able to get a point across that you're a serious person versus someone who's just kind of dabbling in the idea of doing the thing. The second key is work ethic. And I don't know if I even need to explain this one. I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but work ethic is in my mind probably number one. Your work ethic, your ability and your willingness to go above and beyond in order to do the thing you're looking to do is of complete and utmost importance. And it's one thing that there's absolutely no space here for the blame game. You are completely responsible for your own work ethic. It's interesting because when I think of work ethic, when I went to this to this speaking event, I like went in and sat in the front row and I had my paper with me and my pen and I started taking notes and one of the very first things me and a lot of others like there were there was over 100 people in the room and many others came and like rushed to towards the front rows and and had notes and it was interesting because one of the very first things that JT and another speaker mentioned was that if you want to be successful then you need to invest in your work ethic, which means that you know that you're going to put the effort in. And for him, that meant taking notes on a day like he, like that day was where it was someone standing up and pretty much it was a lecture style. If you're not taking notes, you're not invested and you're showing that you're you're just not willing to put the work in. The third key to becoming successful was commitment. And I think that this is one of those things where it's very important for us to take or have a very clear picture of all of our commitments and what we're looking to dedicate to each thing in order to create a very realistic picture of what we can bring to the table, but also of a realistic timeline of achievements that we can that we can achieve right so right now if I'm thinking about my coaching business my coaching business if it was the only business that I would be focusing on right now then I would expect my growth as a equestrian mindset coach to grow quite quickly however right now my priorities are kind of segmented into these other businesses as well. So we have my coaching business as well as I'm running 
a small business with my sister called Wild Sisters Rags and Accessories where we create and sell wild rags and scrunchies and other accessories. And so that takes up a fair amount of time. And then we also have training horses. And my husband and I have this this business called Eminem Horsemanship and Cow Work. And so we do obstacles and clinics and all these other things. So my time, I have to be very realistic of when setting my goals for each and every specific business because if I am not realistic about the commitment that I can make to each of these, then I'm going to be disappointed and I'm going to feel like a failure. So it's very important that we make sure that the commitment that we have is one that's realistic in order to allow us to succeed and it allows us to feel like we're successful instead of setting ourselves up to fail. The fourth key to becoming successful is loyalty. I found this quite interesting and I like to think, because we talk a lot about the use of different coaches, and when I say we talk, it's typically my husband and I or a client and I talk a lot about the use of different coaches in our horse business and, you know, whether you commit to one coach or whether you have a coach and then you do clinics with other people or whether you're someone who just kind of gathers information here and there. So when I think of loyalty, I think it's really important to understand that loyalty doesn't mean that you have signed an agreement where you are exclusively this person's student or client, but that that loyalty extends to a respect more than anything and respect in the sense that You are loyal to the friendship, you're loyal to the contract, you're loyal to the business agreement, whatever it might be, and that the respect goes along with it. So when you go and you're working with someone else, you know that you can work with that other person and still respect the knowledge that they have given you, even if the knowledge is a little different than, say, this clinician or coach that you're working with. So I think loyalty is very valuable and important, but not to be confused by our need to be exclusive and to not learn from others. I think it's very important to understand that there are many people that are very well-versed in a lot of different areas, and I truly believe that all education is good education. Now, just because I say all education is good education does not mean that I believe that you should try and work and do everything that every t- every teacher ever offers you, but that when you go and seek help, you might only get one thing that works within your program for you and your horse, and you meet le- might leave the rest behind, and that's perfectly fine, but When you're working with someone, don't allow new information to make you feel like you need to disregard or disrespect the person who originally was teaching you because they're only bringing you as far as they can bring you. The last key to becoming successful was attitude. And I honestly, I feel like it should be closer to the top than number five because in my opinion, attitude is crucial to your success. So if you are continually focusing on your life, on the people around you, 
on your business, whatever it might be, with a negative attitude or a negative mindset, that is what's going to come back in return to you. So your attitude simply is that you are receptive that you are as positive as you can be. When I talk about being positive, it needs to be clear that I don't believe that anybody and everybody should be happy all of the time, but you definitely can have a positive mindset where you see the better in situations versus continually only seeing the negative or making up negative stories in order to support your negative mindset. Attitude is absolutely key. Now, the third takeaway from this speaking event was when JT said, when you try to tear someone else down, it never builds you up. I think this is so important when it comes to the equestrian community. I feel like it's so easy to get wrapped up in conversations on the outside of the fence because everyone's a professional on the outside of the fence and it seems so easy and we feel like we have the answers. We feel like we know what that person should be doing with their horse because they're either putting too much pressure or not enough pressure on. They're either being too nice or not nice enough. They're either wearing the right gear or they're not wearing the right gear. There's so many opinions when it comes to what people should or should not be doing with their horses, but it really does come down to the fact that you never build yourself up when you're tearing someone else down. One way to change this perspective for yourself or shift your mindset here is when you feel the need to tear someone else down. Now, I do, it's important here too to know that outside of the equestrian world, the other place I see this most often is within business. So when people see a business that is similar to theirs or they're offering similar services or products. And it's important to know that when you tear those businesses down, you are only doing yourself a disservice. So a great shift in mindset or perspective here would be that when you feel like you want to have a conversation with someone that degrades someone else, whether it be their business, their person, their horsemanship, whatever it might be, to rather than have that negative conversation and place your energy in that negative space is to flip the conversation and either reach out to someone that you think positively about or have a conversation about someone you think positively about or rather if it's a business that you are in or you are establishing, shift the conversation so it's a positive conversation that promotes your own business. One of the things that that JT explained this week was that there's an interesting mindset in Canada. Now, he says it's in Canada and that he feels he's Canadian, but he lives in the U.S. and he feels like this mindset isn't as predominant in the U.S., but that in Canada, we tend to feel bad about talking about ourselves or self-promotion or whatever that may be, and that he's very clear to say that you need to be able to invest in yourself and promote yourself and you need to sell yourself. So if you're in a business, any sort of business, and you feel threatened by someone else because they have a similar business, 
rather than tearing them down, just give yourself a little bit of a boost. And it's not because you're bragging. It's only because you truly believe that you have something great going on. The fourth takeaway was to challenge yourself. And it was interesting because here is this individual who is the world's number one wealth coach. He has literally worked with some of the richest men and women on the planet and is coached by some of the coaches of the richest men and women on the planet. And he was talking about fulfillment and the idea that he has seen young people be given large sums of money in order to set them up for success. And those people, rather than growing on that and taking that money and investing it in their own growth or their own betterment, they actually blow it and do the opposite because there's no work involved in getting the money. And he said a lot of those younger people that he met along the way have either ended up or in prison or on drugs because there's no fulfillment. So interestingly, he was talking about the fact that he says we're all looking for, for, for fulfillment And if there is no challenge, then there is no fulfillment. So that is his justification for why we really need to challenge ourselves every day. Now, I completely agree 100%. And I challenge you to make sure that you're stepping outside of your comfort zone at least once a day. I want you to feel uncomfortable at least once a day. That means challenge yourself to have the difficult conversation or challenge yourself to go and work with the horse that intimidates you a little bit. If you're feeling like you're not doing something because you don't know enough, challenge yourself to go and seek help. Something that I've been thinking a lot about lately and have had a few conversations about in the last few weeks, and I think this is absolutely imperative that we start to understand the importance of our language, both out loud, but certainly in our head. And I want to talk for a second about a phrase that really keeps you committed and stuck in your own self-limiting beliefs. If I could get you to eliminate or erase one particular statement from your vocabulary, it would be this. I wish I could, or better yet, I wish I could, but... When you hear yourself say, I wish I could, I want you to start thinking, why? Why do I wish that right now? Why did I say that? Sometimes we say, oh, I wish I could do that without a whole lot of thought behind it. And then when we actually think about, oh, I don't actually want to do that. But when you get that feeling, that little light that sparks inside of you when you see or hear something that you're like, oh, I wish I could do that, know that it's absolutely possible and that quite often we hold ourselves back just simply by creating excuses and that excuse comes in the form of, but I can't because I'm married. I can't because I have children. I can't because... I don't own my own horse. 
I can't because I can't afford to. The one of, actually, and I'm gonna, I'll talk about this for a second because this is one of the ways that I see this come up often that really catches my attention now. And that's when someone says either to myself or someone else who they perceive as confident or able to do something they can't, they often will say to them, and now this is specifically around an outward appearance, they will say, I wish I could do that, but I can't pull it off. I saw this the most when I shaved most of my head. So I have my head shaved all on the bottom and and just short hair on top. And when I first did that, the amount of women who came up to me and said, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that, but I couldn't pull it off. Or let's say it's an outfit. Oh, I wish I could wear high-waisted pants, but I can't pull it off. So what I want to express to you right now is you can pull off literally anything that you want to pull off. It's all about confidence. When you say, oh, I wish I could, and you have that little feeling that you want to lean into, you feel it, you wish you could do something, I want you to know that you 100% can. Now, does that mean that it's not going to be uncomfortable and that it's not going to take work? Absolutely not. There's a lot of work and there's a lot of discomfort on the other side of it. But all that it means is that you take small steps towards it. I wish that I could go and vacation in Florida six months out of the year. Well, that's not going to happen next year. That's not going to happen the year after. But eventually, if I start making smart decisions and I start keeping that goal in mind, start moving in a direction where I'm financially able to do so, then that wish becomes a reality. When you say, oh, I wish, I wish that I, let's say this one, I wish I didn't think like that, or I wish I didn't feel that way. When you use the excuse of, I'm just that way, so it's because I have anxiety, or it's because I I can't think that way, then it's very important for you to understand that those excuses are coming from a place that is a self-limiting belief. And science is actually backing up right now. Now, this is according to Dr. Joe Dispenza, but science is actually backing up that anything about yourself, so anything that you understand to be who you are and what you are, essentially can be changed. So when you say something like, I'm just this way or that way, and not expecting or understanding that who you are in any facet is not permanent. Nothing that you do or say or feel right now is permanent. Science is showing that we actually have an ability to change our genetic disposition. If you can change something like your genetics, you 150% can change the way that you think, the way that you feel, the way you react, and the way that you respond. You are in control. You definitely have the ability to do it. It's definitely going to be work. It's a matter of committing, so those five keys to success, of committing and having the attitude that you can and working through those hard days where you have to change your thoughts 
maybe a hundred times in an hour where you catch yourself going into a negative headspace and you have to drag yourself back and say, nope, that's not how I think. And you choose a more loving thought. It doesn't matter how many times. If you think about the amount of times that you have thought a negative thought, let's say about yourself, in order to establish the habit of creating that those negative thought patterns, think about the fact that you are going to do twice the amount of work to now reverse that and turn that into a positive habit. It sounds like a lot of work. It is a lot of work and it's a million times worth it. The fifth takeaway was when he was talking about situational awareness. So when we think of situational awareness, he was talking specifically about business and being able to communicate from people with an understanding of where they're from, knowing where they are emotionally, why they're having a conversation with you, what type of person, what type of communication style they have. So being very aware of the people that you're communicating with and learning all about the body language and the different elements to people being people that allow you to have better, more clear, empathetic, and productive conversations, okay? When I think of situational awareness prior to this event, I really think of being in a competition and being aware of everything that's happening in the ring, whether, you know, my horse feels like they're with me, if they're relaxed, if they're tense, if somebody's in the stands and they're, you know, they look like they're about to fall, like really being aware of what's happening around you and knowing that you can respond accordingly in order to continue to show the to the best of your ability. Now, another place that we can make sure that we are establishing this situational awareness is just working with your horse any and every time that your hand is on the lead rope. Anytime you're with your horse being super hyper aware of everything that's taking place around you, not in a sense that you are reacting to everything, but that you just have a general awareness of what's taking place so that you respond to your horse from a place of fairness, fair pressure, and understanding. So that let's say your horse, you're riding your horse and a horse another horse walks into the arena so your back is to them the other horse walks into the arena and you feel your horse get a little bit tight so your own horse noticed that that other the new horse walked into the arena and if you don't have very good situational awareness so let's say you're thinking about your grocery list versus actually riding your horse you might find your horse or not even notice that your horse becomes tense and then all of a sudden they're dropping their shoulder in, all of a sudden they're cutting corners and you start ignoring those things or you're not even ignoring them, you haven't acknowledged them yet and then the situation escalates to the point where they're being drawn to that other horse and then you just at that point start to take action and say, oh gosh, like straighten your shoulders or do this or do that when really at that very first step where you could have, if you were situationally aware, 
you would have felt that tension and you would have known where it came from and you'd be able to respond immediately. Now, this sounds a lot simpler or a lot easier than it actually is. It's something that takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of skill to be able to be present 100% with your horse and also be very aware of what's going on around you at the same time. Now, I am going to give one bonus takeaway. I wasn't going to talk about it today because I was actually going to talk about it in its own podcast episode, but I think this one's super important, so I am going to finish off the episode with it. The takeaway that I feel is the absolute most important and relevant to you as an equestrian and the establishment of a positive, productive, and strong mindset is the ability to think through pressure. So a certain situation happened while I was at this event that made me think of the ability to think through pressure for us to be able to have pressure come onto us and not react in a way that's detrimental to our learning. So at about noontime, I think it was actually, it was just after lunch, actually. We had just come back from lunch and a new speaker, we had not heard from this speaker yet. He he hadn't established any rapport with the audience at this point. And he kind of came out on stage and had a little bit of, I don't want to say a cocky attitude, but he, he looked like he had a little bit of an attitude about him and his tone had a little bit of an attitude. And he immediately started addressing the crowd and saying, you know, if you're really looking to be successful, you need to make sure that you show up on time and that if, you know, no people that come and sit at the back of an event or the people that are successful, you need to make sure that you're at the front. And all of a sudden, probably two or three rows towards the back, three, one woman in particular stood up and said, I don't need to hear this. You're rude. You're. I don't have to sit here and have you speak to me this way. And it kind of went back and forth a little bit. And the other two friends got up and they left and she kind of shouted some disrespectful terms in the speaker's direction and called him some pretty nasty names and they stormed out and they left. And they left this particular event and they missed out. I, I don't know why they decided they needed to be there. I don't know what brought them to this event, but they definitely missed out on some key pieces of education by not being able to think their way through the pressure of this person discussing the fact that if you want to be successful, you need to put in the work to be on time and to be prepared and try your best to be invested is all he was saying, which meant, you know, oftentimes if you're closer to the front, you're there because you really want to be there and you want to learn. Now, I know there's lots of reasons for people to sit at the back of the room and this is not the conversation that we need to be having. It's not where I'm going to dive in right now because I understand why people sit at the back of the room and this guy was not looking to have that debate either. He was simply stating a fact and these women could not think through that pressure. It was a trigger for them that stopped them from being able to reason their way through and be able to reflect on why they sat at the back and how his conversation or how his approach was going to teach them something or help them learn 
what not to do or maybe just inside their head come up with the reason why and let it go. So you're, you know, if we're always looking to be offended by things, we 100% can be. And when I think of thinking through pressure, this is something that's very important for our horses. We need to teach our horses to think through pressure. But if we can't think through pressure, then how on earth are we going to teach our horses or our children or our students to do that very thing? So when pressure comes on, we need to be able to breathe through that and think to the other side of it and take responsibility in situations versus react, become offended, and shut down all possibility of learning. So I'm going to leave that there because that is a topic I'm going to dive deeper into, especially with a guest coming up who I think is going to be able to dive into that conversation with so much information that it's just going to blow you away. So I hope this episode helped you. I hope that you were able to take at least one thing away that's going to help you with, with your communications, either with your horse, your husband, your wife, your children, or yourself. And to really understand that when it comes to mindset, a strong mindset, whether it be for business riding, relationships, whatever it might be, that essentially it all has a very similar foundation. So just to wrap up the end of the show, I'm just going to go through and make sure that you get the key points to take away today. So one, you always get what you focus on. Two, there are five keys to becoming successful. So one, persistence. Two, work ethic. Three, commitment. Four, loyalty. And five, attitude. Three, when you try to tear someone else down, it never builds you up. Four, commit to challenge yourself. Committing to challenge yourself allows you to find fulfillment. And five, situational awareness. Make sure that you are aware of what version of yourself certain situations call for, aware of the situations around you when you're working with your horse in order to communicate most clearly with them. And then the bonus is our ability to think through pressure and to teach others how to do the same, especially our horses. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to reach out to me, if you have any questions or comments, please do so. Find me on social media. I'd love to talk to you. And if you have any suggestions about someone you would think I should interview or a topic you'd like to hear me speak on, please reach out to me and I'll write it down and I'll do my best to be able to bring that topic into a future episode. I hope you have a fabulous rest of your week. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.